0: It's good to see you all. For the five of you, it's good to see you too. It's good to see you all. It's good. Thank you, band. You did great. Give us a smile. Yeah, nice. Yeah, there we go. Look at them. Awesome. Awesome. Well, if we don't grow the church through evangelism, we'll just have more babies. It's one of the ways we can grow grow the church. (laughs) I'm joking, seriously. <laughs> it's a serious joke. It's good to be back. Um, we missed you. We loved it. We love, I want to say hi to everybody online and everybody who's watching in India. It was so much fun to hang out with you and celebrate God and celebrate life with, with you. So, bless you guys. I want to thank Emmanuel and Ricardo for bringing such awesome, such rich words. Thank you. We love you. Worship team, thank you for serving. Althea was awesome. Amanda was awesome. You were awesome. It's So good. You know, <clears throat> I love how God works. And uh, I really believe that everything that we were experiencing today is revealing to us how dependent we are on technology and worship teams and sounds to engage with God in a community. And I want to I want to encourage you in your own time. If you have a certain method of your having your quiet time or Bible reading or worshipping God at home or wherever you are, try as much as possible to fast from it so you don't get used to it. Because we, need, we don't need a crutch in order to have a relationship with God. And so I want to encourage you to uh, really come into a place where you are so satisfied by God that you don't need anybody to lead you in worship. You are so satisfied by God that you don't need to listen to another person's Bible study. That you are so filled with God's word. You are so, you are rich with God's word. B- with your own Bible study. We, we come here because we want to hear what God is saying. But also we want to experience what happens when the head and the body meet together. That's why this community is very important. It's not because you get to listen to a message. Although you, you do get to listen to a message... And although it is important, but it is not as vital as your own study of God. Because economies will rise and fall, businesses will rise and fall, churches will, you know, grow and, you know, will um, plant. I don't like the word divide or separate. But the way, just imagine this, that, the, the, that your human body, the way God has designed your human body in, in, in such a way that every cell that it, when it starts to grow has to divide. It's normal for churches to have some sort of separation because that's how the kingdom of God grows. We, we like being collective, but also when we are on our own, is where we really encounter God personally. We have some good news to share with you. That was, uh, I think you like that better than the Bible study. <laughs> we, have, um, we had a fun time in Goa and, and while we were in Goa, the Lord spoke to us and uh, we really believe that, uh, that God is going to do something new and fresh in India. Uh, I really believe that India is ripe. The, uh, hanging out with the people, just meeting people in general, uh, I just sense a hunger for something new, for something fresh, uh, for something life. And uh, we, we, I want to announce to you that we're going to start. We're going to start two life groups, in-person life groups, one in North Goa and one in Bangalore. <laughs> yeah. Um, When we went to North Goa, I saw that uh, the church is so separated from where people are at. And I really believe that um, the life can be that light in that place. I'm not saying that it is darkness, but we have a way of working with darkness. (laughs) We don't cast darkness out. We actually use darkness to give us light. If you understand the book of Hebrews, you'll understand that God spoke into the darkness and brought out light. So the potential of light and life in a dark environment is is higher. And that's why he sends you and me there. And so we're going to plant a life group there in the north of Goa with the intention of planting a church. Yeah. Yeah. I really believe that what God has begun here, uh, no man can stop. Uh, and we're going to spread, it's going to spread across the world and not Goa is the first place we're going to go. And also, uh, uh, and I want to let you know that if you know Melody and Sohel, they will be leading uh, that group in the north of Goa. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, really awesome, young, uh, they're fun. Uh, and we give them a vision and an expression uh, in 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 the north of Goa, that only God can give. Okay, it's completely different from what we experience here, but th- we're looking forward to building something new and fresh in that place. But also in in Bangalore, I really believe that uh, that Bangalore will start. We will start a life group in Bangalore, and Leslie and Natalie will, will lead it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm so excited for them because. Uh, Leslie was ready to give it all, you know, give it up. He wanted to give up everything. And I was like, no, no, no. We we function a little differently uh, with Life Church Global. God doesn't want you to give up your livelihood. And, you know, he wants you to continue to stay in business, but also at the same time, uh, place his kingdom as a priority. And so we were able to uh, really uh, bring them in alignment with what God wants to do in India. And so, yeah, so we're going to start something there with the intention of planting a church. (laughs) <laughs> Which means that uh, a lot of people in this house will need to be raised up. Because we're looking at a global church. We're not just looking at a local church now. We focus on building the locals so that the local can have a global influence. Yeah. Also... Also, the Pune Life Group is doing phenomenally well. Aaron, who is the life coach over there, has grown. It's really phenomenal. Really, we experienced we experience life at that life group. It was amazing. I was like, this is... Uh, I don't miss my church. It's like every place where I went, it was like uh, these people are... It's like Life Church Global. It's amazing. We, we did not meet these... Like some of them were meeting for the first time and it's like the culture was just like life. And I was like, oh... I wish the people in Dubai would. (laughs) We always say, well, why don't you come to Dubai to experience the culture here? But I'm like, dude, you need to go there. And (laughs) it's the same thing there. The same thing here is the same thing there. And uh, we're super excited for Pune as well, because I really believe that God is going to start something, another life group in Pune, um, because that city has grown. uh, And it's amazing what God is doing there. And uh, we, we'll raise up a, a coach, and we'll plant another life group there, with the intention of starting out. Now, yeah. In um, in the seven years that you know, Life Church uh, was Life Church. Uh, in, in the seven years that we were, is it eight now? Eight years. Okay. In the eight years that Life Church has been Life Church. Um, God had given us a word to say uh, and said that, I want you to remain invisible. I want you to remain under the radar. I don't want anybody to know about you. And so it was awesome because we were we grew and we grew and matured. Uh, and at the beginning of the pandemic, just before the pandemic, the Lord said, I want you to go global. And uh, thankfully to the pandemic, we went global. See, we don't look at the pandemic as something that is of the devil. Please, just... <laughs> we we can, we, eh, we can bring light out of anything. It only depends what you're willing to come under, what revelation you're willing to come under. The revelation is that Life Church Global is a church that is in authority, in power. We have the authority to transform darkness and to give us light. And so I want you to know that no matter what happens in the world, Life Church Global will still go on. It's really good. I'm so happy, um, you know, coming back from this trip. I had a great time with my mom and dad and it was so refreshing to spend time with them. The last time I saw them, I was leaving my mother who was in the hospital, but she came out after I left that place and uh, I'm seeing them uh, this time and spend time with their church. and. Uh, You know, it was like visiting roots and it was amazing. It was fun. It was very refreshing. Uh, And we got an opportunity to love on my mom and dad and love their church. And it was really beautiful. Uh, Amazing to see how their community, young people coming around my mom and dad who are in their 60s and 70s and serving them and loving them and being supportive of them. You know, just being able to sit on their, their teaching and allow them to build them into, you know, what God is calling them to do. And so for that, you know, I'm super grateful to be able to do that. It's so good, man. So I want to I wanna spend uh, just a few moments, just a few moments, um, just talking about embracing the new. That's the title of my message, Embracing the New. Alright? I would love for you to open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 43. And we'll read verses 19 and 20. It says this, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Come on now. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now he says this in verse 20, the beast of the field will honor me and jackals (laughs) and ostriches don't go picturesque on that one. The jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. When we read through this prophecy, we understand that the, God is saying to the people, that he will do a new thing. When he uses the word behold, he's causing you to see with the eyes of your heart, see with the eyes of your mind. Behold, look, I'm about to do something new. I will do something new. It's amazing when God says, I will do something new. And you understand that you don't have to do anything. A lot of times when God says, I'm going to do something new, I will do something new. We think that we have something to do with it. In a grace culture, when God says, I will do something new, it means watch and see what I'm going to do. Which means your faith is immaterial in this matter. He doesn't. God doesn't need your faith in order to perform miracles or do new things in your life. It's a grace culture. It's a beautiful gift. Thank you, Father, that you don't need me in order for you to do something new. But you need me to see what you're doing. That's, that's the amazing part. You get to witness what he has done. When he talks about, I will do a new thing. And behold it shall spring forth shall you not know it he's causing calling you to witness when it springs forth He's calling you to look at what he is doing which means in order for you to recognize the new thing you need to know him How would you know something is new How would you know that God is doing a new thing? Unless you know Him. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness. Why would He make a road in the wilderness? Unless what He is doing, a new thing, is actually making life easier for you. I will make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Look, all of these things, the beasts of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. What is he trying to say? At the, the intention, the core of his intention of his heart, he wants to do a new thing for you. The jackals and the ostriches and the beasts of the field, all of creation will give him honor because of how much he expresses his love for you. Think about, think about what I'm saying right now. Think about that you are, I would love to submit this to you, that you are the center of his affection. You are at the center of his affection, which means all of creation begins to worship God when God is affectionate to you. When God is doing something new for you. He's, he's, but you must understand that you are his chosen people. You are his people. He says, you are my people. But he's brought you into the wilderness. Oftentimes we look at the wilderness and we're like, ah, what kind of a place have you brought me into? What is this season, God? But I'd like to submit to you that although we love the concept of new things, We love the concept of God doing a new thing. But we don't like to change. I'd like to submit to you that in order for you to recognize the new thing, you and I need to touch your neighbor and say, change is good. It's amazing that God says that animals and the beasts of the field will honor him because of his expression of his love towards you and me. It's amazing. He's not talking about your worship. He's not talking about how much you would honor him. His honor will come from all of creation, which means God knows that when he blesses you and me, that all of creation will experience the blessing. When you think about the business that you're working for, or the job that you're in, or the family that you're in, when we think that God, I am your son, and he says, I'm going to bless you, it is very natural for everything around you to begin to worship God. They will honor God the way they know best, not the way the church teaches them how to honor God. The question is, do you recognize their honor to God? But how come the expression of freedom somehow seems to be better outside than it is in the church? Somehow this environment can be restricted because We are called children of God and it should be natural for us to be progressive. But we choose not to be progressive. We choose to be restrictive with what kind of revelation we'd like to receive. It doesn't matter what condition your walk with God is right now. Doesn't matter. When God decides to do a new thing with us, He has taken your transformed, transformed self into consideration when He decided to bless you with a new thing. God is not like man, that man looks at the outward behavior and says, you need to change in order to receive a blessing. The way God functions is he gives you his spirit so that his spirit in you can steward the blessing that he has for you. So don't think that this message is about you changing, like in the sense that like what the old messages were like. You need to do this, you need to pray, you need to fast. You need all. Of, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. He's already considered your transformed self and that's why he gives you something new. I want to declare over you that as you go out into the world from this moment on, that you will begin to see the new things that God is doing. And it doesn't matter what job you're in. doesn't matter what business you're in. doesn't matter which family you're in. It doesn't matter which city or nation you're in. I want to declare over you that you are the object of his affection in this season. And God is doing a new thing in you. I want to declare that over you. God is doing a new thing in you. Now, I want you to read verse 21. He says this, This people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise. Let me read verse 20 and 21 again. The beast of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise. This is very interesting because he's saying that the reason why you exist today is for himself. See, that's where the change needs to happen. You think that God, you got saved into a kingdom where God exists only for you. But I'd love to submit to you that you exist for him. He chose you. Listen to this. He chose you and formed you for himself which means your existence is worship to God he chose you and he formed you and he brought you into the desert (laughs) and then he makes ways in the desert And he makes rivers to flow in the desert and all the jackals and the ostriches and everybody around you start beginning to honor God because of how much he blesses you. Because he has chosen you and he has formed you for himself. But the question I have for you is do you know the works of God more than you know God? Do you love the new thing or do you love Him? Oftentimes we build theologies and doctrines around God's acts. But we don't study Him. Oftentimes we build churches and communities and we build cultures and value systems around the miracle signs and wonders that God does and churches grow because of those miracle signs and wonders because we've created a value system around that salvation, miracle signs and wonders, you know, deliverance and all that kind of stuff. And we, we, we grade those things and we create a culture. We build a church meeting and an, and an experience around those things. But when God says I'm moving on and doing something new, those things begin to dwindle down. What happens to the community? a question. Our God is a progressive God. He gives his word and heals our disease. He sent his word and healed our disease. Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds, proceeds in a progressive nature of the word. And when you and I build our Our life's value systems around the things that are happening in our lives, we will fail to recognize when God is moving into something new. Because we desire the new things. And so now pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists and the churches, we have to keep pulling rabbits out of hats every single week. So that people can be entertained, people can keep coming and people can keep doing. Ah, oh, worship leaders have to sing harder and, and we have to play louder and we have to come up with more new songs. And we have to make awesome videos and you have to do all these kind of stuff. Why do we need that? Come on, man. I'm, 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 we need to understand something. That the reason for our existence is Him. <laughs> There's a reason why the thing was clipping today, the sound. It's because of the message. It's a point. <laughs> He's trying to teach us something. That I'm so dependent on someone singing beautifully and playing the keyboard so well that that is what I call worship. No, it's a thing. It's a, it's a happening. It's a, it's, a, it's a miracle sign and a wonder that take place. It's not a personal revelation of Him. Whether there's music, there's no music, there's lights, there's no light. Whether there's a church service or not, church service, I belong to Him. It is only in a place where you are aligned, personally aligned, not just corporate revelation now personally aligned to Him. You have a personal revelation, a personal relationship with God Himself. And you understand that He chose you and He formed you for Himself. I exist for Him alone. That is when you will come into a church and you will recognize God in the people sitting around you. Oftentimes we're too familiar with the negativity of the people around us that we fail to recognize Christ in them. Why? It's because that just that's just a sign that you are not aligned. Somehow, what they have to do or what they have to say or what the church has to do or church has to say, how well they market themselves or how well they brand themselves or how well the design is or how well the graphics are, somehow all those things seem to be greater than Him. We're missing something. We're missing at the core value that we have for God is missing. Now I'm not just preaching to our church, I'm preaching to the global church. There needs to be a reset of value systems. In a transient city like Dubai, we have a lot of people that come to church and and move to other nations. A lot of new people keep coming in and out, coming in and out. And that's just the nature of the church in this region. And we need to be okay with it. That's just it. We we build eternal relationships, not just temporary relationships with people. You must understand, we don't have a, a culture a group uh, or a group of people that will stay here forever. You come for a season and then you move on where God is leading you. But the question that I have for you is that in a culture like this where it's transient do you build eternal relationships right now? Because if you do wherever you are in the world you are still connected. I want to encourage you to make relationships eternal relationships the problems that you have with your neighbor the people around you the issues that you may have with one another globally the issues that you may have with your boss at work my goodness eternally you're going to see that person <laughs> just think about it that boss or that coworker that you know has issues with you is also god's child <laughs> And you're there because God is using you to demonstrate His goodness to them. Right? And then now, listen to this. They are going to get saved whether you like it or not. (laughs) They are going to get saved. So what's going to happen to your heart when they get saved? And listen to this. The Bible says, right? It's the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. Now you will see that person that you have an issue with, God blessing them even more. What's going to happen to your heart? I would love to submit to you. Make God the highest value in your life prioritize him above everything else and you will begin to recognize his work in everyone you will begin to recognize his work in everything the jackals and the ostriches honoring God you may not understand their words or their sounds because you don't have you know ostrich interpretation (laughs) Right, You may not have that. But God recognizes their honor. Please listen to me very carefully. God recognizes their honor. So you and I don't have the right. We have to lose the right to determine what is their honor or not their honor to God. What is their worship or not their worship to God. God is the one who decides it. And when you align yourself with God, you begin to recognize his work in their life. Are you okay? It's good. Now, every community has a culture. Every community, family, church, business has a culture. And those cultures are created by value systems that are practiced. So, in this community, we have a high value for the virtues of God. We have a high value for the virtues of God. So we have a high value for God's presence, God's word, and God's people. Are you with me? So every time you create a value around the virtue of God, you are transformed into the very virtue you have a value for. Are you with me? So God's desire or your desire or your intention in your heart when you create a personal value of God's virtues is that you need to become the very virtue of God on the earth. Are you okay? So that you can demonstrate that virtue to all of creation. So creating a, a culture is created or culture, an atmosphere or an environment is formed when people in a, in, a, in a culture begin to practice values. When you and I have a high value for God, his presence, his word, now it begins to create an environment, a, a culture, so to say. Are you with me? When people walk into these rooms, what do they experience? They experience the culture that you and I practice every single day. You don't practice your culture only when you come together. You practice your culture or your value system when you are by yourself. So an individual's value system for God is multiplied when you come into a corporate environment where everyone takes responsibility to practice their value system before God. This corporate value system is called faith. It's corporate faith. It's a, it's a kingdom culture. And when everybody in the room begin to practice it now, Miracle Signs and Wonders is a byproduct, is a byproduct. Salvation is a byproduct of every single person taking the responsibility to practice their value system. Salvation is not a responsibility of the preacher. Salvation is or preaching the gospel is everyone's responsibility, but we preach it, trying to use as less words as possible. So the culture that we have, we can't. We have a lot of people that come in through the environment and and coming through our culture, and the tendency for us is, is to lose. <laughs> The tendency for us is when we go through COVID and and all people are separated and we come together, the tendency for us to lose our values is extremely high. Why? It's because it's not practiced every day. But if you and I now, like for example, the joy of the Lord, right? The joy in our community is extremely extravagant. But somehow when we were by ourselves... Couldn't experience that joy. I need my people to be. I need everybody. Need, need. I want you to know that you can experience the joy of the Lord when you are by yourself. And you need to bring that joy into this room. Don't wait for joy to fill you in this room. Bring joy into this room. Why? Because there are people who are coming into this environment who are in need of that joy. So culture is very important and when we have a mixed culture, ladies and gentlemen, we have people who come in from different environments, different races, different backgrounds, different churches, different ideologies and theologies and doctrines. When they come into an environment like this, the tendency is to say, I want this to be like that. I want this church to be like my old church. I want this place to be like what I feel it should be. And God is doing a new thing. I'd like to submit to you. Yeah. God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing in life Church Global. Do you recognize what he's doing? That's what Isaiah is asking. God is doing a new thing. Can you see it? Oh, we don't have long services like we used to. God is doing a new thing. Oh, we used to have worship for an hour and a half. God is doing a new thing. Come on now. Oh, you know, I can't go for life group. I'm too busy at work. God is doing a new thing. (laughs) God is doing a new thing. Do you recognize him? Do you recognize him? That's the question. Do you recognize him? Do you recognize him? God is doing a new thing. Do you recognize what he is doing? Or am I? Ha- do I have an expectation of what he used to do in the place that I am in right now? See, because our, our doctrines, our, our value systems are based on what he used to do. And so my expectation of my future is do it again. He's not doing it again. We need to not sing that song. He's doing something new. We need to get that. He is doing something new. There is a... There's a term in the Old Testament that the the writer of the book of Exodus felt it was necessary to put in there. It's called a mixed multitude. Have you heard of it? It's a mixed multitude. I want you to go to Exodus... Um, Chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, very quickly. So while Israel were having an exodus out of Egypt, this is what happens in verse 37. It says this, Then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkot about, listen to this now, very interesting, about 600,000 men on foot besides children. Okay, so you understand how many Israelites were there, how many people from Israel? 600,000 men, and we understand women and children, right? So we're looking at about 1.5, 1.6, maybe 1.7 million people. But how many of you know that 3 million people came out of Egypt? Verse 38 A mixed multitude went up with them also and flocks and herds and a great deal of livestock. Do you see it? The Bible found it necessary, the writer found it necessary to embed this word, mixed multitude. What is a mixed multitude? It's people who have different value systems coming together and congregating towards a journey, towards an adventure, towards a purpose. Moses, listen to me very carefully now because the, uh, uh, you can have a tendency of misunderstanding what I'm saying. Moses decided it was okay to bring them along. When you read Moses' call, when God was calling Moses, Moses, I want you to go to Egypt and I want to bring the people out of Egypt. He said, I have heard the cry of my people, not the cry of the mixed multitude. Are you okay? He said, I've heard the cry of my people. Who were his people? The Israelites. But then about 1.2, 1.3 million people came along with them. We understand they're probably married into, you know, the Egyptian families and all that kind of stuff. Whatever, they had kids and, you know, all of that. All of them come along with them now. And Moses found it. It was okay for them to come together. But God had an issue with it. I want you to go to Exodus chapter 32. Now, this is the moment where Moses is now on the mountaintop with God, 40 days, right? And all the people who now are, are, are down in the valley are beginning to have issues. What's happening to Moses? They're grumbling. What's happened to Moses? You know, how long is it going to take? These are, I want you to submit to you that these are not Israelites talking. And I will show it to you. It is in the language of the Bible. Okay. Are you Ready? So this is when they created an idol, right? And they started worshipping that idol. Verse 1. Now when the people saw that Moses was delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, let uh, make us gods that go before us. For as this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Please listen Listen to the language, okay? They have gone to Aaron and they're saying, come, let make us an idol. Israelites never had idols in Egypt. Are you okay with Bible? The Israelites, when they were in Egypt, were worshipping an invisible God. So you know that this is not the Israelites talking to Aaron. This frustration is coming from the mixed multitude. Why? Because they, they, it's like they have a value system now. And all these people have come now. And they need a God. So Moses has gone to God. Say God, cloud by day, fire by night. Come on now. You understand? Manna that falls from heaven. Oh, strike the rock and water comes out. And the mixed multitude is okay with it. Come on now. God is doing something. He's doing something. And Moses was okay with that culture. Moses allowed that culture to take place. Why? Because of the mixed multitude. Now, so now they build the idol. And now God, God says this to Moses. Verse 7. And the Lord said to Moses, go get down. Now look at the language, okay? Okay. For your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Come on now. God is very specific with his language. Go get down because the people you brought have corrupted themselves. Now there's a difference. I was studying... Um, the ancient Hebrew text and some of the Hebrew scholars um, say there's a difference between have corrupted and have been corrupted And they say that if it was mentioned that it was they, that the people of Israel have been corrupted Then you know that the people of Israel corrupted themselves But when he says have been Corrupted themselves Now we know That there was an influence From the mixed multitude Because it caused A frustration in people To answer these people Where's Moses? Because no works are happening It's the culture You're talking about A mixed multitude now Wherever there's a mixed multitude Different cultures coming together There is less faith in the room To believe God For miracle signs and wonders We have, Dubai is a transient place. That's why I said it. We have so many people that are coming through in and out of the church. But when you come into a new environment, what is the thing you're looking for? You're looking for him. Because if you look for him, you will find him in the people that is in this new environment. Are you with me? And so we see now Moses... He says, they have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, this, look at the language, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. You see, this is not the Jewish people, this is not Israel, Israelites saying, this is our God. This is a mixed multitude, another value system coming in that crept in slowly that said, now worship idols because that is your God that brought you out of Egypt. Why? Because idol worship was prevalent in Egypt during that time. Are you with me? See, when we look at the life of Jesus in the book of Mark, Mark chapter 2, it says this, that, that Jesus could not perform miracles because of familiarity. What are they trying to say there? Let's go to Mark chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. Look at this, verse 4. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Are you with me? Verse 5. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them and he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit preaching. Right? The issue here is that it is their familiarity of Jesus. This is, man, I know this guy. He's my homeboy from my hometown. I know his mom and dad. Right? How can God use this guy? (laughs) How can God use this guy? I know his character. Oh, I saw him smoking and then now he's in the worship team and he's in the media team and he's... uh, How can you decide the criteria that God decides? How can you and I decide now? The one that God chooses. You're telling me that your discernment is greater than God's. We have to learn to understand that when we see something else in someone else, it's revealing that we are not aligned with God. Are you with me? The value system in this house is that I am so aligned with God that I can only see Him in everyone else around me. Are you with me? This is the value system of Life Church Global. We have such a high value for God that I choose only to see. I can only see good. I can only see fairness. I was just listening to a, a song on the way here to church and the... the I don't agree with the theology a little bit. I'm beginning to become like that. You know, one of those type of people, I don't agree with the theology types. But if there's a good reason for it because we advance in our, in our, in our we're progressive in our, in our doctrines. Okay, you must understand that. And you say, God, you are good and you can only be good. I'm like, no. But he's also kind. He's also love. He's also uh, uh, majestic. He's beautiful. Right? Right? Are you with me? But he's also Fair just oh come on he's a fair God he's just he's not only good (laughs) he is just and he rewards according to righteousness you must understand that so when we create a value system for God we create a, a doctrine of only good works God has to only be good to me then only I know he's real no no he's just he's fair You can do whatever you want to do when nobody else is watching, and you come now act like Holy Joe over here, and then I mean not Joe, you know what I mean, because have Joe in our church. No, no, but you can act a certain way and think that it's my right for me to be get blessed. God is fair. He's watching now how people were worshiping. He was watching. How people were getting influenced, listen to me, how people were getting influenced while they were worshipping God. Somebody else were pointing them to idols and they began to respond to it. God had a problem with that. I chose you, you are my people. I chose you, I formed you for myself. I didn't form you for an idol. I formed you for myself. It is in that revelation, ladies and gentlemen, that you will begin to understand how God does new things. Now the context of this entire prophecy is really in verse 18. 43 in verse 18. I want you to say this with me. I want you to read this with me. Isaiah 43 and verse 18. Together, one, two, three. Read it again. This is the context of the prophecy. If you want to understand what God is doing in the new, you've got to forget the old. Not just the negative things. Come on, man. A lot of us have built a life based on everything good that we've experienced from God. And that's okay, that's absolutely fine. But I want us to progress into a place where we build our life based on the revelation of who He is, not just what He does. Because we will go through ups and downs and seasons of our life and seasons of the economy wondering where God is. When God has always been with you. We've shifted our focus from the face to his hand. And when we want to see what he's doing new, we look to the face. We keep our eyes fixed upon him. And then we'll begin to understand and see everything new that God is doing in people's lives. So, in closing, I want you to go to Mark chapter 2. We we were there. Mark chapter 2. And says this in verse 22 and no one puts new wine into old wine skins or else the new wine bursts the wine skins the wine is spilled and the wine skins are ruined but new wine must be put in new wine skins how many of you believe that you've received a revelation that every st- time God does something new you need to change your wineskin nobody wants to say yes or no, that's okay do you know how they restore wineskins in the old days they would take a wineskin after it is used Think. listen to my words carefully After the wineskin is used, it becomes dry and brittle. And that wineskin is taken and it is submerged in water for a couple of days. And it's taken out of the water and then they take oil and they begin to massage the wineskin. And they prepare it to become pliable for the new wine that God is, that they were about to pour into the wineskin. In a grace culture, I would love to submit to you that the day you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you were baptized into water. And you were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible calls you a new creation. The old is gone and behold the new has come. He's not talking about the new wine. He's talking about the new wineskin. And I'd like to submit to you that you are the new wineskin. That God chose to exist in this time and space. You are that wineskin. You don't have to become. You already are. The day you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you experienced core death, co-burial and co-resurrection into a new creation. A lot of us have been indoctrinated that we need to do something in order for us to be ready for God. But the new thing that God is doing is to reveal to you that you are already ready for the new one. The purpose, or I should say the safest place for new wine is the new creation. The only thing that can hinder the new creation from experiencing expansion is an unrenewed mind. And when I say expansion, I'm talking about when the wine is poured into you, the wine begins to do its thing. You don't need to do anything in order for God to do something in you. When God poured out his spirit on the inside of you, he began to do what he does. And a lot of us have tried to understand what he does, but we don't understand it fully. We understand it a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And as he begins to reveal what he's doing in us, we begin to understand that what he's done in us is beginning to affect everything around us. See, there will come a point in time in your life that God will begin to pour you out. He will begin to pour what he has deposited in you out into the world because that is the purpose of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit has been given to you, but he's also wanting to work through you and transform the nations around us. See, but we must understand that there's a reason. There is something that we can do. We can prepare ourselves with a value system that prioritizes God above self. It prioritizes God above everything else that is happening around us in the world. We make ourselves available to say, God, fill me. I place myself in your hand. I place myself in, in your will so that you can use me for your glory. See, oftentimes we have, we don't recognize what God does in us. But I want you to know the new thing that God is doing in you is that He is beginning to transform you from the inside out. He's beginning to change you from the inside out. Before He changes everything that frustrates you in the world, He begins to change you. He starts working first in your heart. See, you're a new creation. Whether you have the character or not. Whether you have the sin issues or not. The outside of the the wine skin is ugly. But the inside of the wine skin is beautiful. Because God is making you pliable so that he can use you. You are pliable on the inside. And then God begins to work out. He begins to remove the things that is within you. That can hinder you. When the Holy Spirit is flowing out. See, a lot of times we must understand that when God wants to do a new thing, He gives you a seed. We want revival, but He gives you revival in a seed. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh What a shake rattling, whoa! We want to—we know to experience that, but then the Holy Spirit comes without you experiencing anything. <laughs> Some of us can point the moment when the Holy Spirit filled us. Some of us don't even know whether we're filled with the Holy Spirit or not. I have a friend of mine in India. He's like, hey, John, you know, I want to have encounters with God. I want to have encounters. I want to see angels and I want to do this, whatever you're doing. I want to do that. I asked him, why? Why do you want to do it? Why do you want it? (laughs) Why do you want to see angels? Why do you want to see all the realm of the spirit? And why do you want to have all this? Why? Why? Jesus says something very interesting. He said, blessed are those who do not see, but yet believe. See that's the culture of the kingdom that's the value system of the kingdom blessed are those who do not see but yet believe blessed are those who do not see miracle signs and wonders happening in a church but yet choose to be faithful to that church blessed are those who don't be, who don't see all the the glitz and the glamour of what church should be like and the marketing and the glow and you know all the media stuff that we do and it's awesome that we do it please is reaching the world but We don't build a doctrine around it. We don't build a culture and a value system around it. You must understand, blessed are those who do not see but yet believe. I told my friend, you don't understand, it comes with a responsibility. It comes when you begin to see things in the spirit. When you begin to encounter angels, you begin to encounter beings, you begin to see demons, you begin to have, there's a reason why that happens. If you're willing to lay down your life, willing to lay down everything in your life and say, I exist only for you. Everything that you show me, I will steward. Everything that I see, everything that I experience, God, I'm going to serve your kingdom. That is when your eyes will begin to open. That is when your wine skin will begin to change. That big, because otherwise till then, it's just a feel good moment. I just want to have an encounter with an angel so that I can feel good about myself and my walk with God and my choice that I choose Jesus. That I want to experience a blessing because it makes me feel good that I made the right choice. The truth of the matter is, did you choose Jesus? And did you choose his father because you loved them? Not what they do. It's awesome what they do. But do you love him? So I want to give you this opportunity now. I'm not going to pray for you because I just taught you about you being aligned with God for yourself. So I want to give you an opportunity in this moment to really align yourself with God. You can close your eyes or you can put your hand on your heart or you put your hand up. Whatever it is that that you're comfortable doing. I want you to, to make a commitment and a covenant with God today. In your own way, in your own language. I want you to recognize what your value system was built on. And where it should be. all you ever knew about God was miracle signs and wonders and God doing things for you. But you've never had a personal relationship with Him where you walk with Him every single day. You talk with Him every single day. You build build a value system where you wake up in the morning realizing that you exist for His will and His good pleasure. I want you to just make that commitment to God right now. Not just for what he does, but who he is to you. I want to encourage you right now in this moment as your eyes are closed and as you are communicating with the Father. As you're aligning yourself with God right now in this moment, I want to encourage you to also align yourself with his love for people. No matter the color, no matter the race, no matter the type, no matter the city or the nations that they come from, in a city like this, make a commitment to God to recognize him in his people, not just in church, but outside of this church. And I want to encourage you to make a commitment to him that no matter what happens in life, whether you are in the city, you are in the garden, you are in the desert. Wilderness, whatever place that God has placed you in, God is bringing you through, I want to encourage you to make a commitment to keep your eyes fixed on Him. Whether you have a lot or you're maturing to have a lot, I want to encourage you to make that commitment to Him right now. with God. Not what he does, but who he is to you. God, you're so good. amazing time that we can be together with you in your presence. Thank you father that we call this place family. This is your community. This is a kingdom community and we experience father in a in a place like this we experience your love in your people. We experience your joy in your people. We experience your kindness in your people, God. And so today father we make a commitment and a covenant with you to honor you, to recognize you in all of creation. In all the people that you've placed in our lives Father, we thank you for this community we thank you that miracle signs and wonders are so natural Father because of who you've called us to be, we thank you we celebrate your goodness in our lives, we celebrate uh, your uh, your amazing works in our life because we recognize it that it is you who is doing it in our lives and Father today we align ourselves to you, we align ourselves in our heart to you, we make you as the highest value in our lives, we place a highest worth on you God and we say that from this moment on there is nothing else that can be compared to you we place you above our jobs we place you above our businesses we place you above our families and our friends and and our enjoyment in life we place you above it because you are the source of pleasure to our lives father and father we thank you for this church we thank you for the churches that are going to be birthed through this church father we thank you for the great leaders that are going to come out from this church we thank you for the pastors the teachers the evangelists, the prophets and the apostles that will come out of this church, God, that will shake nations for your kingdom, Father. And I thank you that because we are aligned in our value system with, with you, Father, we thank you that great things will happen through the church and people will experience you first before they experience what we do, God. They will experience you in our lives. And we thank you for that. Thank you for making us transparent. Thank you for making us pliable. Thank you, God, for making us the new wineskin that you've called us to be and we thank you that the new wine is about to be poured out. The new thing is about to happen right now. So Father we say yes and amen to the new things that you're doing in Jesus name and all God's people said Amen. amen. Love you church. Bless you.